Andrea Jones is the CEO of Online Drea, a social media marketing agency that brings in between $70,000 to $80,000 per month with high ticket retainers. This wasn't always the story. Listen to how Andrea transitioned from a $500 retainer service to up-leveling her service offerings and raising her prices to retainers that now range between $2,500 to $5,000 per month. Running a business like this, of course, isn't possible without a team. Andrea shares her mistakes and what she's learned about finding the right people to grow her thriving business. Join us in this episode to explore how she's tripled her revenue in two years. Welcome to the Small But Mighty Agency Podcast. If you're a creative consultant or agency owner who wants to know what the roller coaster ride really looks like to grow your business from one to many, you're in the right place. My guest and I pull back the curtains on the realities of growing and running agencies of different sizes and what it takes to build a team. And if you're anything like me, you want more than the highlight reel. You want to learn from the mistakes of others so that you can stop short of making the same mistakes. I'm your host, Audrey Joyce Kwan. I spend my days as a coach and consultant to multiple six and seven figure agency owners. For the last seven years, I've been behind the scenes helping people grow, lead, and operate small but mighty agencies. Here at the Small But Mighty Agency podcast, we'll uncover what works and equally as important what didn't work to get these business owners to where they are today. Hi, Andrea. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. Can you tell us about your agency, what you do, and who's on your team? Yes. So I am Andrea Jones. My agency is at Online Drea Inc. We are a done-for-you social media agency. So we mostly focus on social media content. A lot of our clients like it because we basically become them on social media from writing crap. Uh, captions to designing graphics, all of it. I've been in business since 2014. And uh, my team is comprised of my account managers who really manage the day-to-day details of all of our uh, accounts. So I've got three of those currently. Um, We have a graphic designer, video editor, um, and a Facebook ad specialist. Um, And then we also have some other support with um, things like uh, we have two assistants and a caption writer who kind of help with a lot of the the moving pieces of it all. Um, oh, and we also just hired a copywriter this year as well, who's really great. Uh, but I literally could not do what I do without them. I know that you have a team of 11 people and we'll dig more into that in a bit. But before we go there, can you share with us, how did you start your business? Yeah, so I started it because I actually met my husband, fell in love, moved to Canada. <laughs> um, and with that move, I could do anything. So I was working in social media prior to this. I worked in hospitality. Um, I was actually a spa manager for one of the Marriott hotels in Atlanta. And being the youngest person on the team was kind of put in charge of social. I also like social media because I put videos on YouTube. That's how I met my husband. And so for me, when I when I moved to Canada and I was trying to figure out how to work digitally because I couldn't work in Canada yet because I wasn't legally allowed to work, I stumbled upon freelancing. And I was actually doing a lot of writing and blogging at first, but uh, quickly landed into social media and haven't looked back since. Honestly, it's repeatable, right? It never ends. People always need it. Nobody wants to do it themselves. Tell us more about your journey from freelancer to agency owner. First year or two was really hard. 
I was doing all of the things. And I remember in January of my first, it wasn't even a full year of doing the work. Um, I got super sick. I got the flu and was literally like taking NyQuil, napping, waking up, working, and like that whole cycle. Um, it was really burned out. And um, shortly after that, I went on vacation. First couple of days, could not relax. Was so stressed, like afraid that I was going to miss something. And so that's when I was like, I have to buy- build a team. And I didn't even call myself an agency until a year and a half ago. Because I all I knew was I needed support. and I didn't want to be the only person kind of pulling the levers for all of the things. And so that's when I started exploring hiring a team. The first person I hired was just kind of a piecemeal uh, person. I hired someone to do graphic design and someone to write some captions for me. And then I brought um, one of those people on full-time. She's still with me today. She's amazing. Um, but it really just started off as like, I need help. And I knew I could get other freelancers to help me. Okay, wait, you just mentioned that you didn't call yourself an agency till about a year and a half ago. You are at 11 people. So how many people did you have before you started calling yourself an agency? Oh my gosh. I, you know, and I hired two business coaches to help me figure this out because I was like, I don't want an agency. I did <laughs> not like the idea of an agency. Um, my brand is my name. So online Drea, it's very personal. And so I was afraid that... I would have to rebrand or do something different or I would not be involved in any way. I didn't want to manage people. Mm. (laughs) But when I start, basically my clients were calling me agency and I was like, oh, I guess I am kind of an agency in some aspect. I didn't fully lean into it until basically until I had account managers, like people who were interacting with the clients more than I was, then I was like, oh, oh, I do have an agency. At that time, when you were just starting to cars off an agency, how many clients were you serving then? So it really has fluctuated over the years. I remember in 2017, I had 40 clients and it was just like me and two assistants kind of like working through it all. That was so bad. Everyone was priced way too low. But I'm trying to think. So 2018, I would say near that end of that year is when I started calling myself an agency, maybe 2019. So I probably had like 10 clients and a couple of team members. And now how many clients are you serving? We have 22 right now. And 22 clients, 11 team members. How many account managers do you have? So we have three account managers, one who kind of floats between being an account manager and actually working in our product, which I know you'll ask me about as well. But she really only has two clients. I think she's managing. So three account managers and they're all full-time. And each of your account managers do they have a set number of clients per their portfolio? It depends on the size and scope of the client. So I've, I do have some legacy clients who are like their package is quite small. And so it really just depends, but they're probably around five to seven clients a piece. Speaking of packages, can you tell us more about your packages? Yeah. So we really focus on the social media content first. Um, so most of our clients, that's kind of the only thing that they're really um, having us do is that content. We work with a lot of coaches and consultants, thought leaders, people who have really strong opinions and ideas. And they typically have content that we mine. So like podcasts, YouTube videos, Facebook lives, in their programs, in their emails. And so when we show up as them online, we basically deep dive into all of their brand and speak as them. So we create their social media posts. We also do things like manage their inboxes. Um, We'll do things like some networking and outreach if they want to go 
in a specific niche or leave comments on a specific page, we'll do that for them. Um, and then we have add-on services, things like um, we do some like newsletter writing for them because we write for them so much anyways. We do some Facebook ads as well, depending on the scope of what they want. A lot of our clients have their own ad agency. And yeah, and we do a lot of video editing as well. So kind of one of the differences that we bring to the table with our packages is when we tell a client you should be on Instagram Reels, we will write their Instagram Reels script for them. We will send it to them so they can all they have to do is record and then we can handle everything in-house. A few years ago, you were serving 40 plus clients and not charging enough. Walk us through that. In 2017, we had about 40 clients. We were charging about 500 per client. And I think I'm stretching it when I say that. And it was a not enough. Um, and then today we're charging between 2,500 and 5,000 a month, depending on how much video editing we need to do and that sort of thing. And so by increasing our rates over the years, number one, at the lower price point, we were able to play around a lot with those clients. So really studying what worked, trying lots of new things, really falling forward. And now because we figured it out, we can attract a higher quality and higher caliber client who's happy to pay you know, a $3,000 a month uh, retainer. How did you go about transitioning your clients from a lower ticket offer of $500 to a higher ticket retainer of between $2,500 to $5,000? I'm guessing some didn't stay and that's okay because as you evolved and offer more value, you want the clients to connect to that value. So what happened? Yeah, I failed in 2018. The summer, I will never forget this, July 2018, two of my big clients, I had two clients who were above a thousand. They were my big clients at the time. They both left at the same time. And I had a few smaller clients kind of, there was some turbulence there. And I had to let go of some of my team. I had to restructure. The way that I was paying my team was kind of different as well. I was paying them a flat rate because they were all contractors. And so that moment caused me to really reevaluate the pricing, reevaluate my team structure. That's really where I started changing a lot in the business. And there are some clients who were okay with a raised rate. Um, I, I essentially raised everyone's rate by 30%. And that was by October of 2018. So I sent out emails and said, in the new year, we will be raising by 30%. And here's why. And I put the reasons like, we have a new team, we're using all of these tools, we're producing way better quality product. Some people left, some people didn't. And then basically, it was a slowly raising the rates from there. So every time we would get booked, Basically, I didn't have any more space for a new client. I'd raise my rates again and then um, just allow the natural churn to come and go. Right now, our average client is about, I would say, 6 to 12 months. And so naturally, things will fall off. And kind of our sweet spot is helping people get to the place where they hire an in-house team. A lot of our clients don't want to hire an agency long term, but we can help get get them to the place where they can hire an in-house team, which just is a totally different experience. So with that natural like ebb and flow of clients, I was just able to raise it over time. And then actually at the end of this year, or sorry, 2020, I went through and sent out or had conversations with clients where they were kind of legacy clients and we, were, we weren't profitable with them basically. So I ran all the numbers, including my own salary. And any client that wasn't actually making us money, like actually making the business money had to go. And so it was a really tough decision, but it made some space for some new clients. Um, and ultimately I had 
have to like think about the profitability of the business at the end of the day because I will never go back to that moment in 2018 where I have to let team go because we literally can't afford them. Before we click to record on the podcast, you shared that you tripled your revenue this year. What led to the tripling of your revenue? Yeah. So actually in 2019, I did a lot of groundwork. I called it my year of visibility. I was speaking on podcasts. Obviously, I had my own podcast at that point, but I was doing a lot of networking. I realized that my best client is not on social media. So even though I'm a social media agency, I'm not going to find clients on social media. I find clients through connections, people who have podcasting agencies or branding agencies or ads agencies, basically anyone who doesn't do the organic social media stuff. Um, And so that's really where a lot of my success in this past year has come from is that I started to become known as a social media agency. And then the pandemic hit and we did see a downturn. And we have several clients who host large events where it was just not happening. But with that downturn, and then with the kind of what, how should I call this? The Black Lives Matter movement, basically in June, I was getting tagged in a lot of places. So because I spent so much time networking the year before, some people kind of already knew me. And so when Black Lives Matter happened and people were like, who do we know that we can support and uplift? I was getting a lot of attention at that time, which actually made me feel very uncomfortable uh, because you know nobody wants to be called out for their skin color, even, it, even if it is a positive way. And so that really helped jumpstart some of the growth. But then after that, it's word of mouth. So we have several clients who are well-known in the business coaching space. And because we are working with them and we're doing a great job, they're telling their clients and their clients are telling their clients. And so it's having this ripple effect of just bringing us lots of business. Thanks for sharing that, Andrea. It's a powerful insight that just because your agency provides social media services doesn't mean it's where your clients are looking for you. The power of relationships and word of mouth to build a business is so underrated in the online space. Yeah. And there are such great referral partners too. And I try to approach it from the perspective of, you know, it's a give and take. So uh, one of the agencies I partnered with, I guess, two years ago now, we still send clients back and forth to each other. They're a podcasting agency. Any of my clients who want a podcast, you better go to them. And then when their clients want social, they send them to us. So it's a really great kind of mutually beneficial relationship. I always appreciate an inside peek at the marketing an agency is doing. Thank you. I want to go back to 2017 and 2018, where you were going through a lot of changes in your business. What did your team changes look like? Yes. So basically, prior to 2018, I was really doing everything for my clients. I was, you know, I had people doing graphics, but I would only work with them. And they would never talk to anyone else on the team. I had some people writing captions. I had some people doing video editing, but I was really moving all the pieces around. You know, they'd put it in our scheduling tool. We use Airtable. Uh, prior to that, we use a spreadsheet. So they put it in the spreadsheet. I would then copy paste it into whatever scheduling tool we were using. So it was a lot on me. And I actually hired a business coach because I wanted to get out of done for you because I fell into that internet trap of like, Creating courses and programs is the way to go. So I was so convinced that I didn't want to grow the agency. But in that coaching program, I realized that it's not that I didn't want to grow the agency. It's just that our current model wasn't working. So I talked with my current team 
at the time. And we restructured together. And let me be honest in saying that it is an ever-evolving process, especially this year because we've grown so much. But I really get the team involved. Like, Who wants to do what? How are we going to structure this so that it makes sense? And then I started looking around at other agencies. I literally Google like Facebook ad agency, go to their about page and see the titles of the names of people on their team um, and see how I can like put it all together. And honestly, I'm still figuring out what works for us. But so currently we have our account managers who handle a lot of the day to day. We are hiring for a strategist right now, but currently that's me. Um, We've had this role in the past, but this person um, handles a lot of the strategic oversight and then a lot of the reporting. And then we have basically our support team, our graphic designers, our writers, our assistants who help the account managers and support them. And so instead of me being kind of the central point of contact, you know, for 22 clients, I get to coach and manage my account managers and they handle their whatever, five to eight clients that they're managing. And right now your role in the agency continues to be the strategist? Yes. So I am the strategist right now, though I hired for this role last year and I did not I just didn't do a great job of like getting the person who I hired um, set up right. So I learned a lot from that experience. And I'm ready to move forward with that again. Ultimately, I'd love for my role to just be marketing and sales and HR, basically managing the team and bringing in new business. But right now, I still also function as the strategist. So I build out all of the client strategies and facilitate a lot of the reporting as well. Did you know that I have a free team growth roadmap? Imagine if you didn't spend all day, every day in the weeds of running your business. That can mean more flexibility, more freedom, less overwhelm. I created the team growth roadmap to help my clients gain direction on the strategic systems and leadership actions for a streamlined business and a self-managing team to grow your business. Inside the roadmap, I share my compass method, an acronym for each step of the roadmap to get you out of the weeds of running your business and help you have a small but mighty team that gives you more freedom and flexibility. You can get all the details over at AudreyJoyQuan.com. That's A-U-D-R-E-Y-J-O-Y-K-W-A-N.com or click the link in the show notes right there in your podcast app. Back to the show. Andrea, you have a membership model in addition to your agency. Tell us more about that. Yeah. So I created this actually. So funny enough, the course, or I started off with one course in 2016 teaching Canva just as like a side fun thing. I started a Facebook group for it and everything. And then I realized that I had so much content and so many things that I wanted to do that I ended up turning it into a membership in 2018. But I really only work on it on the side. It really is my side hustle. Um, The membership formed from training materials that I was creating for my team. I was literally showing them like, this is how we upload an Instagram story. This is how we write a caption. Um, this is how we do hashtag research. And that's what turned into my membership. Like there's still videos in there where I may even mention a team member by name in the video because that's what they were originally created for. But I really grew from there into a fuller membership, but it still is like a part time revenue driver. Up until t- the beginning of 2020, it was barely making $1,200 a month. Now, this year with the pandemic, it did grow. Like I said, I did get a lot of attention in 2020 as well. So we went from about $1,200 a month to $5,000 in the past 12 months. But it still is only a small percentage of 
kind of where my where I spend my time and the revenue of the business. Let's put the $5,000 earned from the membership into context and compare it to the revenue made in the agency. Yeah, so our total revenue this year is between 70 and 80,000 a month. So only 5,000 of that is from the membership. So majority of our revenue comes from the agency. Now, we do have a few other things like I do get paid for speaking events sometimes, occasionally, um, and some affiliate things like affiliate payouts. But honestly, most of our revenue is from the agency. What's wonderful about how you developed your course and then membership is that it's from the learnings of your agency. It's situated in real life action that you are taking daily with the clients that you work with. And it therefore is consistently being tested. Yes. And I think that's, you know, honestly, I talk all the time about how, you know, maybe one day I would like to just do teaching because I really do love it. But I don't think with an industry that moves so quickly, I don't think I could teach it without doing it and living it and looking at it every day. And so the agency informs the content that we create for our program because we see the insides of so many businesses. We get to see what's working and what's not in real time, so to speak. So we translate that into content for our students and for our members. And I think that's why it works so well for them. Building a course and then a membership about social media out of the systems and processes in your agency that are providing results and serving clients right now says to me that it's tried, tested, and true. In a world of so many courses, that's music to my ears. As agency owners, we know how much life fluctuates um, and how much revenue fluctuates. So to have that consistent revenue coming in from another product that really doesn't take a lot of time for me is great, even though it took us three years to get here. (laughs) Andrea, of your 11 team members, is there anyone on the team who's just solely focused on the core stuff? No. So everyone plays double duty. One of my account managers is also our programs coordinator. Um, she works. She has two clients that she works with now. So she spends about half her time with those clients. Um, and then half... They're kind of big clients too, but uh, half her time with those clients and half her time in our the Savvy Social School. And then my assistant, Jemmy, also is our... She wears a lot of hats, honestly. <laughs> she started off as a VA. So she does a lot of our tech, uploading emails and things like that. But she also does all of our podcast stuff. Um, and she does customer service for the Savvy Social School as well. But honestly, the product itself is not making enough money yet to have someone solely focused on it. Um, ultimately, I would love to get there by you know the next couple of years. But you know, I'm just going to take it one step at a time. What percentage of revenue per month is spent on paying your team? When I saw this question, I actually had to go into my QuickBooks <laughs> and pull the number. So about 50% of our, I think it was like 51% of our revenue goes to team costs. So that includes both employees and contractors and myself and paying myself as well. So a good percentage of our expenses. So 50% goes to that. And then we do have you know, a lot, all of the tools and tech as well. But to me, the team is the most important thing. I could not do it without them. So I'm happy to pay that every month. As much as some business owners say that money should not be the driving force and why someone works for your business, I think that salary is important because it leads to a person's quality of life. Besides salary, I think there are things like profit share that can really incentivize the leaders to grow in your business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I would love to do profit sharing as well uh, over and above. It's something I'm really looking into this year, especially with something like the school. So, with our program, 
it's that whole like dream of being scalable. We could get, you know, right now we have about, we have just over 200 members. We could get 500 new members tomorrow and it wouldn't really take us a lot more time, right? And so that's where I really see like spreading the wealth with the team. I would love to love to do that. Right now we do bonusing, you know, around the holidays and that sort of thing, but I'd love to do more. So how do you recruit new team members? Oh my gosh, this is my whole life. I feel like I spend so much time (laughs) on this. (laughs) Yeah, this is I I have this conversation with my clients as well too. There's a lot of time being spent on this. Yes. Because we've grown so fast, I'm constantly hiring. So, what works for me is sharing it in as many places as possible. Lately, so the past couple of people I've hired, I've hired from Indeed. I run paid advertising on Indeed, but I also post, you know, ZipRecruiter, LinkedIn, I post in Facebook groups, I share it with my email list, I share it with friends. I'm like, I need something, someone good. I don't have a lot of problem getting applicants, especially in the pandemic. I find that there's a lot of really talented people out there who don't have the jobs they typically would. And so there's a lot of opportunity. But I've also found it still tough to hi- find a good person. So I've really spent a lot of time calling our questionnaire and doing an interview process to make sure we get the right people. So for example, in our recent round of hiring, added an interview question about, you know, Black Lives Matter, LGBTQ issues. And we said, you know, it's important for our clients that we have someone who understands and is an advocate of these things. Tell me how you personally are an advocate. And by adding in that question, it really helped eliminate a lot of people who would not be good fits for our clients because they have, I mean, they just have to be aware and proactive about some of these issues. And so that really helps. So having a questionnaire that really outlines that. We've also realized that a lot of our team are very creative, but introverted. So having personality tests and asking them to share their creative projects really helped us find the right person. And then I do two interviews, a live assessment so we, it's a group assessment on Zoom. And then I do a trial period. Typically, it's about a week, depending on the role, where they actually they're hired as a contractor for a time period before getting a full um, offer. Um, and so that long process has really helped me get the right people because I was I went through a string of hiring the wrong people wasting a lot of time, money, and energy, embarrassing myself and my clients because they were, you know, not showing up as, you know, with the level of excellence we expect in our agency. So it's a, it was a long journey to get to here. But I feel like we finally, finally have a really good system in place. What would you suggest to someone who has an agency and is facing the challenge of finding quality people right now? Definitely do a paid project with the expectation of delivering it to the client. So I think sometimes we get people tests that are really easy, actually. They're softballs. We have, we're not going to do anything with that information. So what really shows for us is like, we have a project that we're going to deliver to the client and we need them to work on it and contribute in their own way. So if they're a graphic designer, they're designing a graphic for an actual social media post that we're actually going to use. And if they can't do that, they're not a good fit for the job. Same thing with writing captions or creating reports. And so this is like the very end of the process when you think you found the right person. Have, pay them and have them do an actual project. And it illuminates so much. It's not just the project itself. We have found people have ghosted us at that point. We have found people who cannot meet deadlines. We have found people who make a lot of excuses, make a lot of spelling and grammar errors. And so you know that paid test project, it's really going to be the best work they're ever going to produce 
for you. And if you're not happy at that point, don't hire them. I love that. I love that it's an opportunity not just to test the actual skill set, but to see their character because they have to meet deadlines. They have to be able to understand what is being said and not to come back and ask the right questions. And so it's the context of that that really matters. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for us, it's a personality fit too. Like we need Mm -hmm. people who are proactive. If you're not, you're not going to fit in with working in a virtual agency because there's nobody to tell you not to watch Netflix today and to do your work. (laughs) It sounds like you've learned a lot of lessons in bringing in the right team members. Can you share a time when there's something that didn't work for you in the hiring process? Oh my gosh, yes. I was... So I mentioned that I hired a strategist. She was absolutely lovely, but I had her also managing the team and also helping me hire people. And she was new in her role like three months in. I do not recommend that. Um, It confused the whole process and caused a lot of avoidable issues like her training people incorrectly because she just hadn't been here long enough to be training people. And so while I do think getting a second opinion is great, ultimately as an agency owner, especially if you're kind of newer in the process, you've got to trust yourself to be able to bring on people that you actually want to work with yourself. And so that was one of the things that you know, it's still kind of fresh to me. It still kind of stings because she was very integrated with everything that we did, but ultimately didn't end up working out because I did not have her in the right role. I did not train her properly in the things that I actually wanted her to do. And at the end of the day, we lost not only team members, but clients as well. You mentioned she was doing three different roles in this position. Going forward, how would you revise that role? So the strategist role is just doing strategy. (laughs) Imagine that. I was trying to make her a strategist and like an operations manager all in one. And that was not her skill set. And so going forward, like in June, we're going to be hiring for another strategist. This is a person who's solely focused on strategy. And then we may potentially hire an operations manager in the future as we grow. We are growing very quickly. So who knows when that will be. But ultimately, I do want to have that person there because I have a little bit of baby fever. Mm. And I don't know if it's just being locked inside for like over a year here in Ontario. But I think I'm my husband, I've been talking a lot about starting a family. And so with that conversation, I know I would need some kind of support with managing the team. And so ultimately, I will probably get some sort of team leader or operations manager to help with that as well. It's not uncommon when we want to step out of the business to want to find one person that can replace us. That person for you is the blend of strategy and operations. I love what you shared because by nature, these are two very different roles. But as entrepreneurs who bootstrap the start of a business, we have to be both roles for a period of time. And we can forget that if someone could do strategy and operations, that they themselves might be running their own business. It makes sense that having someone enter the strategy role first and then filling the operations role after will give you what you need to step out. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think that's really where I would want to take it. And I think for the operation side, or maybe even the strategist side, I would hire someone internally. Like I want to look at my current staff and see, you know, who could potentially fill this role. And I think that will really help. And then also getting them more involved, especially with someone like a team leader, because it came out after this person left that some people didn't really like her and like working with her. Yeah. And so I really would want to 
you know, make sure everyone is more involved in that process and not try to basically I was trying to duplicate myself. I was like, I need one other person who could do everything that I'm doing. And if they could, they'd have their own business. I don't know why I thought that. (laughs) Are there any systems and processes in your business right now that in hindsight, let's just say two years ago that you can't believe you ever lived without? Oh my gosh. Yeah. There's so many. So like in 2018, when I stopped like basically having contractors who are packaged based, I switched to hourly. That has changed everything. We started using Toggle for time management. And not only do I know like how much time my team is spending on stuff now, it seems so basic, but I'm that's how I'm able to calculate profitability for clients. Like if I give my client a package that's twenty five hundred dollars, but based on, on the hours everyone's spending, it's taking twenty five hundred dollars. That's there's no reason to have that client, right? It doesn't make any sense um, or raise their rates, and so that really helped us to organize things. But Honestly, like I said, 2018, I shifted a lot of things in the business that really help be a well-oiled machine. One of my favorites, though, is Airtable. We started using Airtable to manage... It's like a content planning and managing tool for all of our clients. And for those of you listening, I do have a video on YouTube going over this. But essentially, we have all of our client information. We plan all of their posts and the clients review all of the posts in the same Airtable base. And it really has streamlined the review process so clients feel like they're giving their input. Uh, But also, it really streamlined organizing all of this content that we we're producing and we can reference it later and all of that. So that's kind of like our home base for all of the things is Airtable. I'm going to grab the link from you for the Airtable video and put it in the show notes. Yes. Honestly, I feel like I'm making little Airtable, a little Airtable army everywhere I go because it has changed the way that I do business. Airtable is not a tool that I've heard a lot about. So this is the first time I've heard about an agency using Airtable. Yes. Okay. I feel like I need to go back and listen to other podcasts to see what everyone else is using because I'm always down for a good tool. But honestly, it can be a little bit pricey when you start thinking about adding in everyone. But it it has saved us so much time. And it's just dynamic. It's like a spreadsheet meets a Trello board meets a calendar. And so there's like a lot of dynamic elements that work. I would say Notion is a very similar concept to Airtable. I'm most familiar with Asana. And yes, I might be biased because I'm an Asana certified pro. I have found that Asana is the most easy tool for our team to jump into. Not only can you put your standard operating procedures into Asana, making it actionable, it's also a great communication tool. That being said, I do want to check out Airtable. Oh, yeah. And you and I may have to have a sidebar about Asana because we use that as well for task management. But I feel like we're not using it to the best that we can. So consider it sidebarred. So when you lead a team, you learn a lot about yourself. Can you tell us about an aha moment you've had in the past year or two about leadership? Honestly, it wasn't even until the past couple of months that I realized my leadership skills are sorely lacking. <laughs> I, When I had a small team, it's not as challenging. But with the more people that I have to manage, the more personalities that I have to manage, it has become very clear that I have a lot to learn. So for example, I learned recently that there are different levels of understanding where when you assign someone a task, you need to tell them 
like exactly what to do. And then the next time it comes around, they should do it and maybe get approval from you or outline what they're going to do. And then the next time around, they kind of do it and they ask you to review it. And then finally, they don't need your support anymore. I was trying to jump from assigning a task to they don't need my support anymore (laughs) without going through all the stages. And I was running into so many issues where I was basically micromanaging my team and they were not trusting themselves because I wasn't building that trust in for them. Thanks for sharing that, Andrea. And last but not least, what keeps you inspired and at your best? For me, it's meditation. So I find that because I'm in social media, because I see so much negativity online every day, because I'm dealing with basically I'm a fire putter outer in my job now because you know I a lot of my team doesn't need me until something's wrong. I find that I have to stay grounded and in order to do that I practice meditation, clear my mind, tap into my feelings. Um, I tend to be anxious, so if I don't do that, I will be overly anxious about everything. Um, so that's really what helps me. Where can people find you, Andrea? I'm online at Online Drea. I love hanging out on Instagram, honestly, at Online Drea. That is my favorite place. And if you're a social media manager and you're listening to this and you want to build your own agency, I do have a free resource. It's a free guide showing you some some tips and steps to building a business that you love. You can find it by going to onlinedrea.com slash blueprint, blueprint, and you can grab that for free. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Small But Mighty Agency podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on iTunes. It would mean the world to me. Or send a screenshot on Instagram while tagging me at Audrey Joy Kwan.